If we haven't met before, my name's Jono. I'm part of the team here at our Moolap Congregation of One Hope. And so we're going to dive into opening um, the Bible together for a brief time this morning. And so um, the passage that we're sharing together will be up on the screen, so you don't need your Bible. And um, I'd really like to build off the back of what... um, uh, Matt and um, Matt, our senior pastor, and also Phil Short over here. Phil, hope you're going well. Um, Phil and Matt both kind of this theme of like um, us living open lives. And last week, Matt talked about our life orbiting around God. Like you know, we're not the centre of our of everything, but you know, we put God at the centre. And then, what does it look like, uh, as Caitlin touched on too, to um, to love other people and to live out our faith? And so, I'd like to touch on that this morning. Um, Congratulations if you're a Collingwood supporter. Um, keep it to yourself. We don't want to know. Um, speak on behalf of all of us. Um, actually, I did. Um, it was it's an interesting time. I was at the shops the other day and um, I walked into a shop that had AFL grand final, like AFL final decorations, NRL decorations, Halloween and Christmas. Like talk about an identity crisis. Everything all at the same time. Um, why don't we pray and then we'll, we'll um, open up the Bible together. Holy Spirit, um, presence of Jesus, we invite you to speak to us this morning. And so we may become more Christ-like in our character. Um, Holy Spirit, we want to hear your voice this morning and respond. So in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Would you say that you are more... Uh, do you find it easy to find things in common with other people or are you drawn to how you are different to other people? You know, I, I've been thinking about this a little bit, especially after Phil spoke about, you know, am I, am I quickly and easily and confidently looking to find that I will have things in common with people rather than at times, you know, the call of the Christian life is to be different to the world. So inherently there is a difference. But so how do I live out this tension of looking to be different to the world in which we live but also that I find things in common with people. and Because that's the basis of um, you know, friendships and relationship, is, isn't it? Like you can, If you go in looking for the things that you disagree on or, or view differently, that's not much of a relationship at all. And so God in his wisdom has given us this tension to live in and it's so well described uh, in this passage that we're going to look at today. And so we're, it's going to be up on the screen and we're going to read from Acts 8 together. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And so he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. Let's pause. I'm going to refer to this chap as an Ethiopian today, okay? Um, Not because of any racial description, but because it's school holidays and there's kids in the room. And so parents and guardians... Over to you at home, okay? What's a eunuch? I'm happy to tackle some things about Scripture. I'm going to leave that one with you guys. So all the best with that. Let's pick up the story. He was a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and so he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, "'Go over and join this chariot.'" And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now, the passage of the scripture he was reading was this. It said, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? The Ethiopian said to Philip, about whom I asked, does the prophet say all these things about himself or someone else? Then Philip said and began with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. That's a remarkable line. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me? What stops me from being baptised? And so he told the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the Ethiopian, and he baptised them. A really simple story with two characters, just two characters, Philip and the Ethiopian. And I would say and I'll, that there's remarkable similarities between the two of them. And there can be remarkable similarities between you, you and I, and someone we meet who may, may not have heard the good news about the gospel, may have only met maybe one or two Christians in their life. There's remarkable similarities between us who love the church and maybe someone that you know that has had a poor experience of the church, that you know it would grieve us to say they've been hurt by people within the church. And if we could go back and be part of that, we would want to see a different outcome for them, that they wouldn't be hurt, that they would actually find the church to be a loving place where we, are cared to, we care for each other, that we grow together in faith that we can see similarities, even though we look at this scripture and there's two very different people. Let me set the scene a little. First of all, we've got Philip, who is a a passionate follower of Jesus. And wherever he goes, he's telling people about the amazing love of God. And we'll touch on this in a moment. He's really, really good at it. And then we have the Ethiopian, who's treasurer to the queen on his way home from temple worship. And so most likely he was a Gentile, like he was, who had embraced the Jewish religion. And so he was reading through the scriptures, what we would call the Bible, and, and, but it doesn't make sense to him. He gets a, to a place where he's stuck. Now, his office meant he was very, very influ, influential. But that word eunuch means that he, importantly too, There was just no way. He had a line put through his name. He could not participate fully in worship at the temple, which would mean that if it was here and now, that we could all come and gather and he wouldn't be allowed to. He couldn't come in. He had to stay off to the side. And so we have two really different people, two really different goals and passions for their life, Two very different experiences of life, but yet they find that they have remarkable similarities and things in common. And so let's just dive into a few briefly this morning. First of all, I think they shared an immense deep hunger. They were hungry. The eunuch, the Ethiopian, was hungry for finding truth in his life. He'd already begun to open the Bible and read it for himself, but he was still searching for more. And so here's a man sitting alone in his chariot. And just that word alone might not mean much to us, but to the readers at the time, to the people of the time, that was hugely important. Not many people had a chariot. And so like Caitlin said, uh, do you want to walk or do you want to walk? Like that were your, that were your two options mostly. 
And so um, it might have been a horse, maybe more likely it was going to be some kind of oxen. And so when you read that Philip caught up with the um, chariot, he wasn't. A, we don't th- think that he was a super athlete. Um, the oxen was just trudging along, but it saved the Ethiopian a lot of energy by walking. But we might read this and go, oh, yeah, so what? Like a guy in a chariot. But if you piece all those um, bits about his life that we read here, he is hugely influential. He could be the poster boy for our, our society today. He has affluence. He has income. He has importance. He has everything that our, our world would say, that these are the most important things. But here he is, a man sitting alone in a chariot, reading quietly to himself, looking for a greater meaning and purpose in life. Does that sound similar to anyone you may know, that you may have met? Someone who maybe sits alone in an extravagant car, but yet they feel hollow inside. Do we sit next to people who are at the next desk across from us but feel empty and are not sure what life means or can provide for them? Are there people with fancy clothes and sitting on expensive lounge suites and doing all the stuff and having all the entertainment and experiences yet there's something deep within them that says, what's my purpose in life? When I began reading through this, I, I was really convicted because I got to the point where I began to wonder, has God put people in our life? Has God put people in our life who they have a lot and so we assume that they won't be interested in hearing about Jesus? But this, this story, this passage from Scripture would demonstrate to us that even though we may feel like that, what we don't know is that they're searching for more. It was the Holy Spirit who illuminated to Philip the need to go and move and to meet with this man. And so there's this tremendous hunger in this Ethiopian. And it struck me too that, you know, this Ethiopian, there may be people that we know that are unaware of or unsure about how to participate in God's plan. They're unsure of how to participate or be part of what God wants to do in their life. But John 3.16 would tell us they are already part of God's great promise. It doesn't say that God gave his only son for people that get together at 9.30 on a Sunday morning and come to church. No, the starting point is that God gave his son for the whole world. And so people that we meet and that we know that may not have a relationship with God, are just as much of God, as part of God's promise as what we are. It's just that this Ethiopian was waiting to hear, how can I participate in this plan? How can I come to know this promise in full? So the Ethiopian is hungry, and I think this is a great match that uh, Philip is equally hungry, but in a different way. He is hungry to share the truth. Philip is amazing, I reckon. He's hungry to share the truth. And he hears the voice of God and he responds. I'll speak for myself where I know there's times in my life where I've had moments where I feel like I should do something, but when I'm unsure of what to do, I tend to silence that voice. Maybe you've noticed this in your life too, 
that if we feel like God is prompting us to do something and we're not sure what to do and so we silence the voice, it can look like us internally saying or maybe even saying out loud, we move from I need to do something, I need to do something, to someone should really do something about that. Someone else should really do something about that. Philip wasn't going to settle for that. He was like, right, I'm, I've, I'm responding to God. I'm going to go. And so God moves Philip from a successful regional like evangelistic campaign, campaign where many people were coming to know the truth about Jesus down to a lonely desert road. And why? Why? Luke, the writer of Acts, wants us to see what the early followers of Jesus were like. Luke wants us to see what the early Christians were like and for us to have an ambition to go, oh, we can be like that too. We can choose to be those kind of people. You ever felt like life can just have some kind of dead-end roads where you, you, know, you feel like there might be an opportunity and so you pursue that thing and then it just ends up kind of going nowhere? This passage would point us to when we live in tune with the Holy Spirit, when we invite God to come and speak to us and direct our days, when we wake up in the morning and we say, God, whatever you have in store for me, I want to be obedient to that. That sometimes dead ends will actually be the most important road that we can travel. A little while ago, um, I, I dropped Jossie off at his basketball training, which is out in the arena, at the arena, okay, the other side of town, and I had a kind of 45 minutes to kill, and so I thought that I would just drive around, because industrial areas or parts of town that I haven't been to really kind of intrigue me. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going to be down this street, and so um, I just started doing that. Um, it came, became apparent to me quite quickly that when you drive really slowly down streets and look suspiciously down alleyways, that um, people become suspicious of you. And so that day I had my number, ta- number plate taken a couple of times, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I was going to get close to a guy taking a photo of me thinking like, right, if someone's going to break in, it's going to be that guy in that red Mazda. No, it wasn't. But anyway, but I remember going down these streets and it's like, sometimes it would open up to this amazing area and other times it would just be a dead end. Like, and I do the 14 point turn to get back out of this small alleyway that's like, oh, there's, there's not really anything here. You know, but it wasn't until I went down that road that I realised what was going to open up before me. I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this question. Have you, as a, as a follower of Jesus, have you ever had a time where almost out of the blue you felt a prompting that you should, you should do a particular thing or you should say a particular thing to someone or, you know, that you're like, I think that's God talking to me. Like, I, have, have you ever had that where you're like, oh, you feel prompted to just act in a particular way? I know I've experienced this and I, I've often struggled to put language to it because you can feel like it or come across as a bit of a weirdo. And so, like, I've just taken to texting people and I'll put something like, you've come to mind the last couple of days. Is there anything I can be praying for you about? Because sometimes I don't know what is happening. Like, why does this person keep on coming back into my mind? But I think, I don't want to miss that opportunity that God, this might be a dead end. And do you know what? I've had that sometimes. And like people have res- like replied back and gone, everything's good. Thanks. Have a good day. I'm like, dead end. <laughs> but at other times, people are like, oh, thanks so much for texting. Just got this news. 
oh, this has just happened in our family. I'm like, we get that, right? We get this thing where like sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us and for whatever reason, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But sometimes it can be the most profound thing that we're part of. Because imagine the exhilaration for Philip in, in his heart when he realises that this, why the Spirit, why the Holy Spirit had sent him down that dusty desert road. Because here's a man, a good man, an influential man who is in need of saving. And it wasn't a dead end at all. And sometimes it can be the exercise of faith that fuels our hunger even more to be part of what God is doing. That's what our, my encouragement would be for us as a congregation of people, that we would go, you know what, sometimes it's going to feel like a dead end. Even when we feel like God has led us to a particular thing, but other times we're training that faith within us and God uses, uses us in amazing ways. That training is actually a really good word. And it brings me to my second point about uh, you know, the willingness of both Philip and the, and the Ethiopian. Um, active wear, I didn't realise that. The, the Australian um, active wear apparel market, do you want to have a guess how much active wear was um, purchased in two, uh, 2022 last year in Australia? Have a guess in your head. Like how, how much did, people spe- did we spend on active wear? On tights and compression gear and stuff? Like, you know... What's your guess? What's your number in your mind? Okay, you got that? How about $20 billion? Yeah, right? That's a lot of active wear. Do you know how incredibly disproportionate that amount of active wear is to the people, number of people that are actually active? That is huge. Like I was reading this little article and it's like, you know, for each person in Australia, you can have like 20 items of active wear for every one person that works out in some way. It's like, oh, okay, right. There's a lot of people that seem to be in, the lo- in love with the idea of being active, but are not. God actually wants us to highlight, like, wants to highlight that to us. That willingness and a hunger for God shouldn't just stir our hearts, it should move our muscles. It should move us to action. And sometimes that's really tough, isn't it? Sometimes that can be tough. We read Philip and we're like, you know, we see him, we go, I want to be like that. And then we live out our life and, oh, it can be a bit of a struggle. Maybe for the kids, um, you can play along this morning. Um, what's another Bible character? Um, he was in the Old Testament, so kind of like the first bit of the Bible, who really clearly heard from God and exercised faith, but he went in the opposite direction. Kids, can anyone remember? Might open it up to adults. Can anyone remember? Jonah, Jonah got his active wear on and just went, no deal, God, no deal. Let's, um, let's just turn to Jonah really briefly. And um, here's some of the classic lines um, coming from Jonah's mouth. So Jonah has been called to go and serve and to declare the good news about Jesus to people that are in Nineveh who otherwise hadn't heard it, okay? Bunch of people who just Jonah just couldn't stand. And so Jonah in um, chapter 1 says stuff like this. Here's a summary. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And how's this for a but? But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Okay, so good response. First response um, 
Jonah, and the story continues where like, there's this toing and froing where eventually um, Jonah is willing to do what God wants, and so he, he shares the good news about God's love for people, and people straight away, so many of them are like, we are going to turn our lives completely around, and we are going to follow the God that you love. What you say is the truth. This is amazing. You have brought real life to us. And how does Jonah respond? We'll pick it up in Jonah 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do exactly this, Lord? That is why I ran ran away to Tarshish. I knew, and how's the anger about this? I know that you are merciful and compassionate, God. You're slow to get angry and you're filled with unfailing love and I can't stand it. I can't stand it. The writer puts this story of Philip intentionally to go, can you see the contrast? Your willingness to run towards what God is doing and what God wants you to be part of as hard and as uncertain it is at times compared to Jonah. Poor old Jonah, he cops a bit of a whack, doesn't he? But the message didn't change, did it? I'm the God that's compassionate and full of love. I'm the God that wants to see people come into relationship with me. Are you willing to be part of that? Are you willing to, that truth to not only stir your heart, but to move you to action? When Matt and Phil the other day were talking about how we live out our faith, I was really struck. Like we, 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 can't, we can't share God's love with a, with a world if we don't, you know, if, we don't, if we're not willing to understand it. If we're not willing to know people and to love people. And there's this great combination here from Philip where he is, he is a willing servant. And he knows what the Bible says, so he holds up the truth about who Jesus is. And then he's also empowered by the Holy Spirit. Seems like a really simple recipe, doesn't it? There was a willing servant who knew the truth about God through the scripture and said, God, come and have your way in my life. My encouragement to you today would be, don't, don't measure your faith Don't measure your effectiveness by God, by your fruitfulness. Start rather by measuring your progress by your obedience to what God is calling you to do. The fruit that comes from our obedience is left in God's hands. God is just asking us first and foremost to be obedient. Um, Really briefly, another one, there's a what these two guys had in common, and we can have in common too with our world, is we need to put pride aside. We need to put pride aside. It was only on Thursday that at our life group we began talking about the, through the life group notes and it was all about pride. And one person who shall remain nameless opened up really honestly and talked about how they were just like, oh, I have so much pride. And we kind of went to pat them on the back and it's like, no, you're not prideful at all. Like, you know, it's okay. And then they shared and there's like, oh yeah, you are. Like you're really prideful. But then as we opened it and we kind of just looked at each other and just went, so glad we're not like them. Our humility is so much greater than theirs. Like, but actually, we got to this moment where we were just like, we looked up a few articles and looked, as we talked more about what pride is, we're like, oh yeah, we are all full of pride. Like we have this amazing ability to put ourselves at the centre of, of attention, don't we? To highlight what we achieve or what we can do. To highlight what is important to us, what our place in society should be. Imagine how different this story could have been If Philip and the Ethiopian took the I'm going to focus on myself approach, 
You know, so Philip rocks up to the chariot. Hey, how are you, mate? Um, you know, what, tell me a bit about yourself. And, you know, um, before you start, like, my name's Philip. I'm busy and successful. I've been really used by God. Like, um, see over there, there's lots of churches. A little while ago, there wasn't churches. I started them. They're really flourishing. Um, yeah, um, you should see what I'm being part of back over there. And the Ethiopian's like, no, 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 mate. Like, hang on, just you hold up a second. Um, you should see I've really got my life together. Um, you think your church works really good. Uh, good one, Bible boy. Um, I'm actually treasurer to, treasurer to the queen. Like, I have way more money than what you have got. Um, I know some way more influential people than what you do. See these outfits? Do you want to check my bank balance? There's none of that. There's none of that. Both these people were so willing to put aside their pride and what they could have, could have highlighted. And what I find really remarkable is the Ethiopian wanted to hear the same message that Philip wanted to share. And that was about the good news of who Jesus is. I need that reminder as I was reading through Scripture. I'm like, oh, how many conversations can get kind of sidetracked where we would be, we would be the kind of people that we say, you know, maybe it is as simple as waking up in the morning and going, God, my prayer today is that you would give me opportunity to elevate the good news of Jesus, even if that means that I don't talk about myself at all. God, if there's an opportunity to share about the difference you've made in my life and I can maybe even open up the Bible with someone and say, look at this. How incredible is this that God calls us into a relationship with him? God, would you provide me opportunity to do that? As Christians, we can be known for you know, being oblivious to culture, like just having no idea what the world around us is like. Equally, I think you know, we can be true of hiding from culture and saying, oh, no, we're going to protect ourselves over here as you know, the followers of Jesus and not get out of our bubble. Or Have you ever met a Christian who slams culture? Oh, everything is wrong. Like, that's the, that's the Jonah, isn't it? Like, you know, oh, man, I want nothing to do with those, those people. But I love how Philip highlights to us in a really simple way that, that God wants to provide a different option to all of those, which is getting to know people, embracing people as different as they may be, as we may feel they might be from ourselves, and offering a beautiful alternative. And that a, a relationship with God is, is achievable through God's grace. If you're taking notes, when a willing Christian communicates the gospel to a prepared list, listener, spiritual miracles take place. When we're willing to communicate the gospel and God has prepared that person to hear, a miracle takes place. Just got a couple of minutes more, and I want to finish off by playing some trivia, okay? Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. If you know the answer or you think you know the correct answer, don't shout it out, okay? Don't shout it out. Just let everyone else play along for a moment and then tell you at the end. So 1994, Los Angeles um, has a significant earthquake, Okay, it, it, it doesn't demolish the city or anything like that, but there's substantial damage. And, then, and so there's lots of calls to 911, you know, damage to roads and homes. And, you know, is pe- are people okay medically? And so lots of, lots of ambulance calls to um, hospitals and things like that. A massive, huge rush on the operators of 911. Eventually that rush subsides. And, but then, unexpectedly, another rush of people begin to call 911. And they're calling 
because, and they're all saying the same thing. I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned, okay? There's an eerie cloud in the sky. There's an eerie cloud in the sky. Like, what should I do? Thousands of people. Now, eerie cloud in the sky after an earthquake, right? Have a think. Okay, all right. Turn to the person next to you. What's your answer? What's the eerie cloud in the sky? Thousands of people worried about this cloud in the sky. Ready? Three, two, one. Turn to someone next to you and give them your best answer. Go. Here's your opportunity to be smarter than the person sitting next to you. What's What's your answer going to be? Just 10 seconds more. All right. Does anyone want to... Have it a guess, as a guess what, uh, what the eerie cloud might have been. Just give us a moment. We're all, we're all good over here. We're all good? Good. Okay. It wasn't a basketball, but that is a good, that is a good guess. Does anyone want to have it, ha, have it a guess what the eerie cloud was? Dust. Fog. Just a rain cloud. Smog. All really reasonable things, right? The eerie cloud, what had happened was the earthquake had knocked out heaps of power in the city. And so the eerie glowing cloud was actually the Milky Way. For so many people within the city, it was the first time in their lives they had seen the night sky. And so they are petrified. (laughs) What is this eerie glowing cloud in the sky? When I heard about that, I thought, oh, that really rings true of this story. What God invites us into and to be part of. For that Ethiopian, the lights had gone off enough for him to go, is there more? Is there more? And, you know, have you ever been outside when you're camping or whatever and you're like, oh, that's the night sky. Like, I'm trying to get my head around, like, create a God and what, what I'm part of here. That we can see this, in, by God's grace, we can see that we can be part of this incredible story, this incredible picture that we otherwise, at one time in our life, Scripture says, we just couldn't see. The smog was thick. The haze was heavy. The clouds covered the sky. But by the grace of God, we get to see this incredible thing that we are part of. And I love how God is unchanging in being willing to remove the pollution, remove the obstacles, and allowing us to see this amazing plan that we're part of, this incredible plan that we're part of. And may our prayer be that God would use us too, just as he used Philip. I'm going to invite us to stand and we're going to pray together. Then we're going to sing. The team's going to lead us. I invite you to close your eyes for a moment and whether you're here or listening via the podcast, just to, should rephrase that, don't close your eyes if you're on listening to the podcast. I don't know what you're doing. It might be really important that you keep your eyes open right now. But if you're here, invite you to close your eyes and help, help us all to concentrate. And Let's take a moment or two in our hearts to invite a fresh God to use us. Would you invite God and to say, God, you know, there's been time in my lives maybe where I've been like the Jonah, you know, help me, 
help me be like Philip, to quick to respond for, my, for you to stir my heart and then move me into action. Maybe your prayer this morning is like, God, I don't want to be the Christian that is oblivious to culture or slams culture and just has a go at people. I want to be, I want to be the kind of person, God, who is quick to want to get to know people, to, to embrace them, to understand them and to, God, as you provide, hold up the opportunity to share about how amazing your love is, Jesus. God will hear your prayer this morning. If you feel like you've been obedient in going down roads that have ended up being dead ends, but the Holy Spirit would want to say to you this morning, just keep being open, keep being faithful, keep wanting to hear my voice and respond. Wherever you're at this morning, may we hold up our hearts to God and say, God, would you help us be ready and willing to, to follow and respond to you? God, um, for those of us that need it, would you help us to push aside pride? God, as we open up the Bible in our own time, that we, you know, you would highlight things to us that are so important and, and bring, back, bring those things back to mind when maybe we, we hear of someone else's story who doesn't know you yet, but we can hold up the truth of Scripture and say, oh, this is what a loving God is like. This is the difference that He, can make, he wants to make in your life. And God, thank you for the promise that we can be filled with your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit that you guide us, you speak to us, you encourage us, you, you, you give us the strength to be obedient and live out the life that God, you're calling us to do. And so Holy Spirit, you're welcome in our hearts and our lives. Yeah, use us, use us, we pray, all for your glory. Amen.